We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Twenty-one to nothing. four at one point and then it went back out to 10 and they lose by 11 there at the pavilion last uh last night so we'll hit those topics and more coming up today on the oxford exxon uh podcast again the oxford exxon highway six west in oxford <laughs> uh lunch specials every single day <laughs> they change up you get a uh, any size fountain drink and bread there with uh with those and um also ribs tonight i mean i'm looking right at your volume level it's going so no we're good now there's a 45 second oh yeah it's a it's a pause 45 seconds uh ribs hot case plenty of options there at the blue sky location here in oxford side items desserts and more and again coming to you from the clark ford studio we are clark ford's in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 is the number call it ask for Corey clark tell Corey what ford product you're looking for he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes and business hours right between right right down to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You get to quote the rest completely up to you. You can shop it around, do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Uh, Jeffrey Wright's about to join us, uh, if this works, about to join us now on the uh, Rafters Music and Food Hotline. Rafters Music and Food on the Square in Oxford. Be a great place. Perfect place, in fact, for your Christmas party or gathering. They can accommodate parties of uh, 10 to 500. Great food with the Cajun flair, holiday drinks, and a festive atmosphere. Call Jeannie at 601-842-0948 to request a catering menu and reserve a date today. Jeffrey, how are you? Good morning. Oh, my God, it works. You have no idea how excited we are that the uh, audio went through and had no issues right there. I mean, beyond words. Just not even excited, just kind of shocked. I mean, you expect chaos. Didn't y'all get this studio professionally done? Like, I get when stuff doesn't work when <laughs> us asshats do it, but like, didn't y'all get this one professionally done? Um, yes, but, but it's still, still in the process. There's still there's still a process, and and there's still a uh, 
What, did you lose the instruction manual? Um, that's fair. Uh, some, okay. There, I had to watch, uh, let's see, yesterday I had to watch a video to learn how to do this. Did you? And I did. Um, I now understand why the kids, everything, everything with them is, Dad, just watch a video. Just, just YouTube it. Google it. Everything. Everything. You know, I, I grew up in an era where, you know, you, you looked at a map and now you just say, you, you tell your Siri to get you there and they do, damn it. And you just follow the directions. I mean, Siri could, Siri could take you off a cliff and you would just go. It, it's oh, really, I mean, <clears throat> go ahead, Jeff. When we were in, when we were in France, when we were in France in May, like Aaliyah wants to have the phone and wants to have the directions. Like, no, 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 sweetie. Like if we, if we just start figuring this out, like it'll be easier for the whole trip. Like, yeah, you might take an extra 10 or 15 minutes on the first couple of times. But it's like, if you actually figure out where you're going and how a city's laid out, like these cities are laid out with great designs. Like you're better off, but yeah, now we're just, yeah, just go watch. You can literally learn how to play like the guitar, like Eddie Van Halen in 25 minutes on YouTube. <laughs> Fix any home appliance issue, whatever you got. It's all right Correct. there. I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's, I installed a, I installed true. a screen, whatever, not a screen door, but like I installed like a new latch on a screen door from a YouTube video. Thank you. What'd you, what'd you order? A sausage, uh, a sausage McGriddle. Turn Jeffrey up just a touch. Well, and a chicken McGriddle. Things never said before. Um, uh, I, was off the, I was off the dollar menu. Chicken McGriddle, sausage McGriddle. I got your Christmas card yesterday, Jeff. Did you? Uh, did, did, was there any fight on putting the cat on the Christmas card, or was that just a no-go from the very beginning? The only opinion that mattered for me on the Christmas card was I got to choose between the background color of green or white. And okay. so I think we went green last year, so I said white this year. Um, I did. We did have some breaking news about, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. Uh, during, during Christmas season, because the cat cannot help herself, she just eats the Christmas tree left and right, and she throws up maybe two or three times a day. <laughs> there was somebody else that might have uttered, this is our last cat. Ooh. Ooh. Did you get that in blood writing? Uh, I, where she, where she, does, where she struggles is she likes to think I don't remember things. She likes to think I'm not listening, but I catalog it. And I think honestly, uh, this video might be whatever. If, please put this on YouTube because this will be used as evidence. We can do that. Just to keep it there for posterity's sake. You know there is one. Yeah, sure, there is exactly. one surefire way to deprioritize the cat. Uh, what? Uh, Christmas vacation style. <laughs> Well, you could do that. That was not what he was insinuating. <laughs> not what I was insinuating, but, but the, that, that is the thought. That is one fried putty tat. <laughs> Switch the rafters scene to a different color. That's kind of weird on the red. Right. I don't know, like darker maybe. Okay. Uh, we can do a few things, Jeff. We haven't talked to you yet, though. Um, not to be overly t- long with this. We've hit it all week, but what comes to mind with you with Mike Leach with everything that's going on this week? You, I think you can make the argument he's the most influential figure 
at the minimum in college football in the last 50 years, I think you can make the argument he's the most influential schematic figure in football in the last 50 years. I mean, if you look at the sport today, you know, it's largely an entertaining product because of him. And it was trending towards a very unentertaining product for a very long time. Um, you know, I was also pleasantly surprised and somewhat blown away. You know, we talked about how, you know, there's some people in, in the business, particularly our business that, would badmouth him and really realize, oh, it's because of his political leanings. I enjoyed all those people that had to, like, write nice things about him this week. Um, like, it had to have killed 40 and Alex Kirshner, but I enjoyed watching them have to, like, squeam a little bit. Um, Dennis Dodd, too, you're included. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly surprised at just how significant of a figure and the amount of uh, the amount of praise that was given to him. So obviously there's trickle down. I mean, high school football has definitely changed because of what Mike Leach has done. Profoundly. Well, yeah. To, to an extent that's hard to fathom. I actually taped along those lines. I yeah. taped with Pete yesterday for the yeah. preview show and I, we started and I'll, I won't spoil it here, but we ended up doing 10, 15 minutes about Mike Leach's impact on high school football. And I think you could argue, and I think you could argue quite effectively, that ultimately his legacy will not be as a college coach. Right. It will be what he did for high school football because you trace his career and you see it happen in those states. And the way that high school football looks is completely different once Mike Leach left a place. Yeah, there's no I, doubt about that. It went, I would argue even the way, the way teams practice was changed because of Mike Leach. I mean, we used to do the drill where all five quarterbacks would throw, you know, you run plays on air and all five quarterbacks are throwing so that you could rep and get more, uh, you get more practice reps. I mean, he changed the way people practiced. Is there a movement up to, to where any of the more pass happy way the NFL has become is Todd DeLeach? Oh, 100%. I mean, look at how many people wanted Eric. Now, the difference between him and a lot of other people are he stayed pure to the air raid, whereas everyone else wanted his concepts and wanted to adopt what he did, but they wanted to take other aspects of it. I mean, Tom Brady uses a ton of the air raid. Um, I mean, yeah, you can see – basically, if you see anyone running – Two receivers underneath, like running a mesh route, like that's Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you see that at every level of football. Yeah, so much of I mean, and, and you're right. Leach stayed very true to his offense. He, I mean, obviously he amended it some, and he, you know, would add wrinkles here and there. But for the most part. He did his thing everywhere he went. I mean, you knew when he went to Washington State, you knew what they were going to run. When he went to uh, Mississippi State, you knew what they were going to run. So it worked. No, I mean, you know, and there would be people that would, you know, criticize him for that. But at the same time, like, 
I don't know. I think the I think the methodology behind it is pretty sound. Hey, I want my quarterbacks to be able to get to the line of scrimmage, get us into the right play, and you know, I, I want I want us to be effective that way. I mean, you know, how how is that any different really than any other football? Were you surprised, or is that expected given the immediacy of what is needed that they didn't just make Zach Arnett the interim, but went ahead and gave him the full the full contract as the new head coach? Surprise isn't probably the appropriate word. I don't really know. Like, I know what it's. I know in a vacuum what I would have done, and what I would have done is, and I and I said this on the air. If you think Zach Arnett should be your head coach, make him your head coach. But if you're just making your, make him your head coach, because it's an emotional moment and you know, you don't want to, you don't want to do this staff wrong and whatnot. I don't think that's a good reason for making him your head coach, but I also acknowledge that's kind of, it's kind of impossible to armchair quarterback that one because I can't imagine like what's going, you know what I mean? Like, are you really going to go put that entire staff on the street? Well, the other thing you don't know, and I'm, I'm getting, listen, college football has never been more cutthroat than it is today. So while these schools are putting out the social media things and, yeah. and painting their, you know, and was it, who was it? Was it Arkansas that did the stadium, lit the stadium in maroon? Did they? Yeah. A&M put it on their board. I saw it multiple places. I mean, it's a nice gesture. At the same time, a lot of those schools are, are calling the kids. You know, I mean, so. Oh, for sure. You, so you, you've got to do something. There was. You've got to plug it up. Yeah. And there it, was some immediacy. And here's the thing, not to rip on Mississippi State at all, because I think I would say this about Ole Miss to some degree. Lord help. Um. Is it your iPad? It's my iPad, and I, I yeah, it's. Uh, we could probably turn that off too. I can't turn the iPad off. No, I mean Jeffrey's, we could kill the. the yeah, I'll figure it out. Yeah, in a it's fine. Um, things we'll learn as we go. Um, I'm not sure how attractive that job would be today. I mean, we're going to talk Ole Miss basketball yeah. a little later today, right? We're going to talk Ole Miss basketball later, and and and. A lot of what I'm going to say about Ole Miss basketball is going to piss people off, and and what I would say about Mississippi State football would probably piss a lot of their people off. It's the 13th best job in the league right now because of NIL, and so when you go out and you make phone calls to the John Sumrall's and Troy and, and Kane Womacks of the world, I'm not sure they take those jobs. We're also not sure if they didn't sort of already have an agreement with Arnett. There's a lot of talk out there from people who at least somewhat has an idea what's going on inside that athletic department where Arnett didn't take the Auburn job or didn't take some of these other things simply because he knew he was the next guy, whether it be at the end of this season or at the end of next season, that really no one at Mississippi State thought Mike Leach would would be coaching definitely past 23, but then potentially even next season as well. Yeah, and I mean – who really knows what is or isn't true? I mean, let's be clear. Zach Arnett would would be a candidate for other jobs. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, it's part of what we were talking about. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. Part of me wonders how much of Jeff Brom taking Louisville is, hey, I want to go home versus 
hey, man, I think these jobs that are at the bottom part of the conference, even though I'm probably making great money, these are going to be really, really hard jobs. And I, I kind of want to go reset. I mean, you know, I think you can make that case about Mississippi State. I do wonder if Mississippi State put, you know, $8 million a year on the table. I feel like they probably could have gotten some of these names that are like, oh, I wouldn't take that job. You said $8 million, right? Okay, well, we got to keep it quiet. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's a lot easier for a lot of these guys to say they're not taking – they wouldn't take that job when they don't have the choice to take that job. State also has no AD, and I'm not – and I think for most of the people around that program – Arnett was probably their number two choice anyway. There's a huge group that wanted Brian Johnson. I don't think Brian Johnson would have ever taken the job, but Arnett probably was just kind of up there, even with those guys being possibilities. I just think they wanted that dude and they didn't want to lose him, even though other than Mississippi state, his only other significant experience is what San Diego state. Am I missing something? I think that's right. I think he's only Um, been a coordinator at San Diego state prior to state. Yeah, I think he's a um, uh, Chuck. What was that guy's name? Uh, the guy that was at San Diego State before uh, uh, Brady Hogue, but and then like he went to like New Mexico as like a defensive coordinator afterwards. Um, I think he's I think he's like that guy's tree. I, but getting back to this topic though, because it's something that I think is relevant. And I think you see it with Mississippi State. You see it with Purdue. If you're at the – they're great jobs because they're money. But if you're at the bottom quadrant – holy cow, man. I'm, I've got to tell family to get me out of these texts. Well, we can at least – you can you can silence that one text chain. At least I, I, I've just left one. I hate to leave. No, I don't mean leave it. Just silence it. Yeah. Do you know how to mute? You, you, I've got everything. I'm, it's uh, like on Twitter. I know. We'll deal with it in a minute. Okay. Yeah. These bottom tier, bottom quadrant jobs in power five leagues are going to have to hire older coaches. Young coaches are going to view those jobs as graveyards. Young coaches are going to be more patient. They're going to stay at the South Alabamas of the world another year or two. As long as they're winning, they're going to follow the Billy Napier path. And that, that Napier is one of the most interesting guys to watch in college football because if Billy Napier ends up winning at Florida and winning big, he will have blazed a completely different path for young coaches. Now, if he doesn't win big and he gets canned in three or four years in Gainesville, some of these guys are going to look at it and go, yeah, screw it. I just got to take the money when the money's there. But some of these guys that are well, like, like Kane's a great example. Kane's what, 36 years old? I mean, he's about he, he's about to go. Assuming they win their bowl game, and I think they will, they're going. He's going to go eleven and two at South Alabama in year two. He's got twenty twenty one starters back next season. He's got a chance to do it again. When when the the lower tier Power Five schools like he's got ties to Indiana. When Indiana comes to Kane Womack, does Kane take that job or does he go? Nope. You know what? I'm going to wait. It's a gamble, but I'm going to wait. Don't don't forget who brought Kane to Indiana. I mean, Tom Allen was a hot name. I mean, I think that the other thing you're going to see is on the flip side, I don't think you'll see as many people be patient. You know, oh, I don't think they'll be as loyal to some of these jobs. I, I, I think they're going to – I think if they have a good run, they're going to get out of there. I also, though, I do think we should be fair and point out 
a lot of these lower level jobs, it's it's not that difficult to have a run. It is difficult to build something sustainable. Like I actually thought the most interesting move to me was what Sean Lewis did. Sean Lewis is at Kent State, which is considered to be one of the worst jobs in the MAC, and he had a little bit of success there. And lo and behold, he was never able to get out. And so he goes and he takes the coordinator job at Colorado. Like, I, I took note of that. Like, I think there's going to be some of these lower G5 jobs that people – I think it's going to be harder and harder to go from G5 to P5. Uh, I, I, that's, that's my premonition right now. Well, it's 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 so job dependent because you know a year a year and a half ago we did the hey as soon as you can get out get the hell out you know that's been our our, our comment for so long you look at you know the hudspits of the world and maybe that's a bad example but people who've been through a bunch of smaller schools that waited that one or two years too long yeah sorry I, I don't know why that came was the one that came up but whatever but I mean even Jamie Chadwell I mean his star fell a little bit through coastal with James Madison getting in the league and different things I mean things change in such ways that. If you're going to stay, it better by God be a job like if Summerall thinks he can just win 10, 11, 12 over and over. Because at a group of five, even if you go nine and three, you sort of fall out of that category anymore. I mean, you got to win a lot of football games. The Sun Belt's pretty damn competitive. Um, you know, it's it's still a hell of a gamble to do that. I think I agree with you in certain aspects, but at the same time, it's still one of those deals where if you can get out and move, do it. Um, the Mac is interesting because you mentioned – uh, him at Colorado, but I mean, even a guy like Jason Candle. I mean, he was a dude who years ago, that's all one of the main guys. Hey, this dude's waiting on the Big Ten job or he's going to get this. He's still coaching Toledo. Hey, what do we well, think? To Neil's point, go ahead. Well, like to Neil's point about older coaches, what I think, where I think Neil is spot on is the fact that, you know, as the money continues to grow and grow and grow, it's like any business, when you're paying big time money, you're probably going to be a little, a little less risky. And so I think you're going to start to see these established guys that are older because, you know, the quote-unquote board of directors, want, if they're going to spend that kind of money, they want something that's a little safer and a little more of a sure thing. The question to me, though, is if you're going to start, if we talk about these, you know, these lower quartile jobs, you know, to, to kind of bookend it or tie it back to the what we started the conversation, are these schools going to have to start going more outside the box? Are they going to have to go find another Mike Leach? Are they going to have to go find someone that, you know, maybe does it against the grain? Because um, in the end, I think Chadwell took liberty for the simple reason of, hey, man, the guy that just had the liberty job has more skeletons than I do, and he just got the Auburn job. So, so he'll pay me $4 million. It was a 400% oh, raise and going to a league where he can dominate it from a resource standpoint and then get the next gig from there while making a ton of money. Made all the sense in the world for Correct. Jamie Chadwell. And then all he had to do was, you know, uh, put out that statement about how much he loves the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Worked for the last guy. Uh, speaking of out of the box, uh-huh. speaking of out of the box, um, is anybody else noticing Deion Sanders at Colorado? They're recruiting a little better than people thought they would recruit. Kids are interested. I mean, is it possible that Colorado hit the home run here? Uh, yeah, right. Sure, I mean, maybe. I, 
I, I was never in the camp of – I understood what schools were doing. I understood that schools were like, hey, let's let somebody else go first. Mm-hmm. Because I think it comes back to what I was just mentioning. You know, I think I think there are plenty of people that were interested, but Dion just feels so risky that you sit there and you go, let's see him do it somewhere first, and then, and then if it works there, we'll go get him. But, I mean, let's look at what the sport is today. The sport is turn the roster over immediately. Um, it's get as good of players as you can. And it's kind of like a show. How does Dion not fit? How does Dion not fit that perfectly? Yeah, Dion was always going to recruit. The question is game and roster management as far as when anything goes sideways or there's adversity or just handling stuff. I mean, his missteps at Jackson State that gave people pause. I mean, other than just lack of experience because he'd never done it, were all things managing the program and never about player procurement in, in, in any way. I mean, guys are going to want to play for Dion. He's yeah, put a good like, system in place, all those different things. And again, I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm just saying if it fails, that's where it will fail is in those ways. Yeah, I mean, but let's also take a look at it from this perspective. His staff at Jackson State was – significantly better than what you would expect to have at Jackson State. He had Mike from Zimmer a, working for free. From an assist- Correct. So he put together a really good staff by that standard. Sure. And then, okay, yes, some of the way that he handled the media were missteps. But, I mean, listen, how many guys are good at handling the media? I mean, I mean, very Auburn few. I mean, hired a guy that's really bad at handling the media. You know what I mean? Like – Nick Saban's not really great at handling the media. He just wins at such an astronomical level that it doesn't matter. Leach, like, Leach was bad with uh, media. He, Leach was bad with media. But the beat writers that covered him, I mean, if sure. you talk to anybody over there, they're like, man, sometimes we had to wait two hours for a press conference to start. I mean, the guy would show up two <laughs> hours late. I mean, that's – that's. I mean, it, it's – I mean, I'm not talking ill of him. I'm just saying there's a lot of guys that – most college coaches don't care about media. We they, they care about a handful of media. Kiffin does media stuff because he has to do it, not because he enjoys doing it. You don't know what Dion is going to look like when he doesn't have to go quite as many sideshows, when he's really trying to do some of the things at Jackson State that he felt like were required that are not as required at Colorado, although there'll be some at Colorado that wouldn't be as required if he was at SC or LSU or wherever else on that next step if he moves up. And then I come back to this, and I get it was just one day, one interview. But I, during the whole Lane Kiffin Auburn stuff, and we were talking to a lot of people and hearing a lot of things, I had multiple people tell me that he did a hell of a job interviewing for the TCU gig a year ago. He did it from the hospital when he had all those issues with his feet or whatever that was going on, and yeah. he had a hell of a plan. And it's where TCU was going to hire what you know Dykes, but they said, "Wow, I." somebody's going to maybe get a win here. And they couldn't quite pull the trigger, but it sort of reverberated through college football that, no, that's not all hype. There's a lot of substance there that makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. I just don't think Deion Sanders is some type of, like, sideshow. It, it seems to me that he is very calculated, and it seems like he's gotten to where he is not by accident. Because, I mean, there are a lot of – there are a lot of former players that have tried to get into coaching that have not made this kind of impact. So I, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize what he's done. I just think, you know, 
I think a big part of a lot of these jobs are it's kind of like what you know we've always talked about on the show. Like, don't make the mistake of thinking because you think it's a great job and it's like a dream job. Don't make the mistake of thinking that it's an impossible to do job. It's a lot like it's a lot like going to an Ivy League school. The hardest part is getting in, and then afterwards, you know, it's a business where. Yeah, they're, 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 you're gonna have to work pretty hard to not graduate, but it's hard to get in. Uh, I just, I don't know. I think I'd rather bet on Dion than bet against Dion. That's personally how I feel. Completely agree. Um, I know you talk a lot of college, especially when you consider, especially when you consider like what the job is today, which is turn a roster over immediately. Well, hasn't he proven he's pretty good at that? Oh, he's definitely pr- proven he's good at that. Um, I know we don't have you forever. You talk college basketball a lot on your show at 92.9 ESPN in Memphis. We don't do a lot of college basketball. We're about to talk some in a minute when we let you go. But I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on um, what you see from Ole Miss so far. I know you haven't watched a ton, but they just lost their third non-league game. Uh, they don't really have a – they don't have really any attractive wins. They don't have any bad losses, but they don't have any attractive wins yet. The, the uh, SEC schedule is coming. It's going to be difficult. It's it's hard to find eight, nine, ten SEC wins on that schedule with what I've seen. When you look at Ole Miss from a basketball standpoint in mid-December, what do you see? Is Ruffin going to get better? I mean, he doesn't look healthy to me. He, he looks. I mean, yeah, we're we're on the same page there, right? Yeah, I mean, he he looks. He doesn't have his explosiveness, and this is why. Ole Miss is doing. Boy, I'm about to make people over there mad. I think Ole Miss is trying to sell tickets. When I say Ole Miss, I mean basketball. They're trying to sell sure. tickets with we've got this explosive team, and Deshaun Ruffin, when he was healthy, was an absolutely a. He was worth the price of admission. And unfortunately for him, he, he tore his ACL. He suffered a setback in that exhibition game, which was either late October, early November, whatever, that, that time span. And he hasn't been the same since. And yet, he looked good against Valparaiso. But there's a difference between playing Valparaiso and playing SEC teams. UCF is, is an upper-tier American team. You'll see them a little bit with Memphis. They're an upper-tier American team. They're a team that will either make the tournament or be on the bubble for the tournament. So it's a glimpse into what Ole Miss is about to encounter in the SEC. And from what I saw last night, Deshaun just can't stay on the floor. And so without him, it's 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 Matt Morrell, who was really good last night. Otherwise, it's a blowout loss. It's a couple of bigs that – I thought they got some good things out of Malik Ewan last night. I thought they got some good things out of Josh Mbala. Breakfield didn't show. Uh, the the kid from Jackson State, the fear on him going into the season sort of popped up in that game. He just couldn't handle skilled bigs. Um, their path to winning is just so freaking narrow. And if Deshaun can't give you more than what he gave you last night, which is I'm pulling up a box. I got it in front of me. Actually, happened to not throw it away. I normally clear out my bag. Um, Deshaun played 17 minutes and 53 seconds. He went one for five from the floor, 0 for one from three, missed both of his free throws, had a rebound, committed a foul, had two points, 
did have six assists, turned it over twice, and was a minus 13. I mean, that can't be the calling card for your program. No, I mean, I, you know, I've obviously not watched them as much as you have, but I've watched them a decent amount. When you watch them, you know, they, they play hard, but at a certain point it's like, y'all, if you're going to play hard, you got to have, you got to have an elite lead guard that, that nobody can handle if you're going to be like that. And they just don't. And, you know, I got a decent look at Alabama the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think Alabama's link's going to be a real problem. Yep. Um, Arkansas certainly looks the part of a really good basketball team. And they're only going to get better. Um, Those three freshmen are only going to improve as they play together. And and then beyond the three freshmen, look, I know they lost the kid from Missouri who I thought was terrific. I mean, I, I thought Brazil – made them a national title contender but ricky counseled the fourth or whatever is really really good and they've got they've got enough bigs like and their bigs are skilled that's what i was watching last night with Ole miss and it was how are you going to handle alabama's bigs how are you going to handle kentucky's bigs how are you going to handle arkansas's bigs um tennessee's bigs tennessee's this really skilled veteran team that Ole miss plays in 13 days how are you going to handle those guys I mean, my guess is not that well. I mean, I just kind of look at them, and they, I don't know, from what I've seen from the league, they look like, at the minimum, a bottom half of the SEC team. I suppose it's entirely possible I could be wrong. It's college basketball. But, man, I, tell, me who, tell me who you feel like they're 100% better than, other than Vanderbilt right now. Uh, probably South Carolina. Probably and, Georgia. And probably Georgia. And after that, I, I have pause. Because I'm not sure they're better than Missouri, are y'all? Probably about the same. Okay, so we're talking about, you know, and, you know, somewhere between, you know, what, a seven and an, I guess, a 10 win team? In the league, oh, I think if you offered them ten, if you offered them ten league wins right now, they'd have to jump at it and sign it in blood. I, I, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. just, I, I don't see how they get there. I really don't. I, I'm not trying to be negative. I, just, Chase and I did this last night. I called they have it. a helpful schedule because they play Carolina twice. They've got a couple built-in things where you go, okay, it's an extra one that maybe you thought they had. There's this. There's that. There's whatever. Um, I mean, they typically he typically plays. Auburn and Bruce Pearl well, yeah. but I mean, and there's Auburn a very critical home game against better. them early. Yeah. I mean, Auburn certainly looks significantly better than they do to me. Yeah. And it gets you, I mean, not doing the Kermit thing today. It's too early, but there's a conversation that has to happen on the, even if you, if you get to that place, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of what we were talking about, about the, the Mississippi state football job. If you have no NIL, and Ole Miss essentially has no basketball NIL, they have a little bit, but it's not it, it's not significant. If you have no real NIL in basketball and you don't have the ability to go get it, well, what's the job? Who's taking the job? Whether it's Kermit or somebody else or whomever, whenever that time is, the Ole Miss men's basketball coach has got to be able to generate excitement that turns into dollars. Period. In all ways. Yep. Butts and seats and dollars, whatever that looks like. 
Is it hard? Sure. No to, doubt. To but, me, that's the thing. That, and Keith Carter was there last night, and I, I'm not about to try to speak. There's a, coach, there's a coach in Birmingham that knows how to do that. Yeah, I was trying not to not to ever touch that again. I just leaving it alone. I, Andy beat South Carolina yesterday. Um, but in Kermit's defense, Andy didn't do it here. I mean, he, 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 he struggled didn't. the last six years of that. I mean, he didn't. You no, know, no it, he didn't. Um, it, eh, it, he struggled the last year, but eh. I, I, I mean, I from a recruiting standpoint, it makes you realize. No, it's look. I love Andy. Yeah, it's not. It's not Andy a negative. Andy. Andy changed his entire recruiting canvas up after that Kai Johnny O'Brien year, where everything kind of went ooh, and that sort of went sideways after that a little bit. Right, but what Andy was really good at recognizing, in my opinion, was okay. You cannot get those guys like we're talking about, but Andy always had an undersized guard that could score. Why? Because that was probably the best player he could get. And, you know, Andy's teams had their flaws. Being watchable was not one of them. Kermit's teams are not watchable. Here's the thing. It is excruciating to watch. Here's the thing on Andy. I'll say it. The, the Chancellor Gumball's guy was a complete moron. I mean, he's a complete idiot. Everybody over there will admit it now. They, they talk- well, I also like Hunter Carpenter's. I want to see Hunter Carpenter's freaking PowerPoint again. But see, here's my now, thing. Where's the, where's the Kermit Davis PowerPoint? Here's my thing about, about a PowerPoint or whatever. It doesn't matter whether, whether a booster presented a PowerPoint or not. At the end of the day, and I don't want to spend much time on this. I really don't because it, it's over, and Andy's happy where he is, and he's not coming back. Sure. Um. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That was that's all on Vitter. It was all on Vitter, and it was also you had an AD who knew, hey, look, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm not going to do anything that rocks a boat and gets me fired. I'm going to move on. I've got a really Ross was really connected. He 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 landed the A&M gig. It, it worked out for him. That sure. this was all on Vitter. It was a t- say Vitter cut Ross's legs out on. Yeah, him. Vitter Vitter was a complete joke of a chancellor. He he burned so many bridges uh, around around Ole Miss um, on on just by being a complete incompetent boob and surrounded by people in this town who used that incompetency for their own benefit. So a lot of the, a lot of the people that would turn around and go, yeah, he was terrible. I'm like, Oh God, you enabled it. Shut up. Uh, Those, those people did it too. But, but anyway, moving forward, it's, it's, here's the problem. And I was saying this about, about Keith last night, Keith sitting in his seat. And I looked at him a few times. I'm not about to begin to try to read his mind, but Keith has eyes. I mean, he does. He he can see. Uh, he looks around. He's a smart guy, and he has to see what I see inside that arena, which is there's just not a lot of energy in it. There's not a lot of life in it, and and we can keep making excuses for it. But it was December the fourteenth. It was a six thirty game against a good team. UCF was is eight and two now. They're they're nets in the fifties. That's a good team, and six thirty on a on a. It now, was, look, it was rainy. I, I think attendance is going to be bad in the conference, and that's going to decide the conversation we're having. But Ole Miss ever has not had good December attendance. So I, I can't it. take last night. I mean, we're going to be right, but I I'm not it. making last night an example to that. I guess that's what I'm saying. I get it. I guess, and, and that's, that's. You know, I mean, again, we know we're correct. It's but, fair, but in context, it was the same atmosphere as it was in February last year when Texas well, A&M and, and was in the, the building, point, yes. when South Carolina was in the building. There's. Yes. Uh, you know, at at some point you have to go. Hey, there is no atmosphere here. Why is that? Is it because Ole Miss basketball sucks, or is it because this product is hard to watch and people have checked out? And nothing against Kermit or anybody else, but if the fan base checks out, how do you get them back? There's only two, only only one of two ways. You either start winning, or you make change. That's it. I mean, we we saw it at the end of Matt Luke's tenure. What stuck out to me so much that last game against Texas A&M was like, man, this is Texas A&M here. It's November. Ole Miss people always say, we want night games. It was a night game. The stadium was half full. It was the, like you looked at it You looked at it that night and said, this isn't sustainable. I just think also the big problem, though, with that is, you know, on paper, and maybe maybe there's enough plausible deniability from a – from a structural standpoint, but the reality is the person that ran the search to hire Kermit Davis is now the athletic director. And, you know, you can change, you you can make the case however you want. You're not going to change our mind that I believe the reason why Kermit Davis was given another year is because the person that hired him is now the athletic director and he is emotionally invested in it. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't had that conversation. So I, 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 I don't know. And I don't know that we'd ever get, a real complete answer there. I have a suspicion. A lot, I, th- I have a suspicion. A lot of it is financial. Yeah, it too. And at the end of this season, I think there's going to be a, another financial conversation that has to be had because now Ole Miss is paying its football coach nine million dollars a year. And at some point, you look at it and go, "We can't afford to do this." And then on the flip side, you have to say, "But can you afford not to do something?" And I don't. And and then who do you who do you get? Right? It's it's. There's just so much there that it's a. It's a complicated thing. I'm glad I'm not the guy making that decision. Um, 
Well, I do think I do think a big part of the equation is the last part that you just mentioned. Like, I do believe, like, Memphis just went through the same thing with their football coach. I do think part of the decision to bring back him when nobody's excited because it's a very similar situation, part of the part of the decision-making process was, well, who's going to take the job? And I do, I do understand that's a difficult part. Yeah. It's got to be the right guy. It's not as it's not as simple as just hey, it's move, put somebody else in the seat. I mean, that's not what this job is at all. It, it, it's a there's well, like, a you know look there's a path, but it's it, a like, clear path. Chase, Go ahead. Chase and Haas buddies is like you know go get Miller now that he's exonerated. Oh, okay. Is, I, I always laugh when everyone's like, go get so-and-so, go get so-and-so. It's like, you do realize that like, they don't take the jobs, right? Yeah. Getting them to say yes is the issue. Oh, it's like the Sean Miller thing. I'm like, come on. That's man. what he's talking about. Yeah. Come on. I mean, those guys are going to look at that job and go, you'll have to offer me a exorbitant fortune. Which financially doesn't make sense. Well, and, uh, well, to your point, I mean, can they? If you're paying your football coach nine and a half million, can you offer an exorbitant amount? I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It certainly doesn't seem likely. The funds would probably have to come from elsewhere. You'd have to have people that said, "Hey, it's worth it to us. Here's the money." That's what they have to do in every sport. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's government issued on that, right? You got, uh, you got, and I don't. I've, I, I've never seen anyone. I've never seen anyone in my lifetime step up and go. You know what? I want to watch. I want to see good basketball. Here's ten million dollars. I know you got to go. Uh, you guys talking Grizzlies and stuff. Grizzlies. Uh, a lot of talk about trade deadline starting to pop up. Are the Grizzlies going to make a big move, or is this roster good enough? Uh, I don't think they're going to make a big move, but I will. It's tough to ignore that there are people in the league that believe that they could make a big move. I just look at kind of how they view their team. I think they would want to see their team healthy in the sense that I think they feel good. Obviously, they feel good about Ja. They think they hit a home run with, with Desmond Bain. Jaron Jackson Jr. is playing the best basketball of his life right now. And Dylan Brooks, while he is flawed, that's a heck of a fourth piece. Um, I I get the sense that if there's something to be done, they would entertain it, but I think they really like where they are. Yeah. I like their team a lot. They have a deep bench. A lot of guys that fill roles. It'd have to, it'd have to be something that was just a no brainer. If I'm them before I risk chemistry and such. I mean, when everyone talks about a big deal, my first question is like, well, I mean, what's available? Yeah, I started. A, I started a Hollinger. Is whatever. Sorry, good. I said I started a Hollinger piece today, but I haven't finished it as to what's actually might be available and what isn't. I mean, like Aaron Gordon doesn't really change the calculus for the for the Grizzlies. No, he's been you know he's been rumored for I don't know. I feel like he's been rumored the last two years, but. Could they use a veteran shooter off the bench? Sure, but I think I think their lottery ticket on that is Danny Green. Oh yeah. And you know, I think they have it to where Danny Green's gonna come back around, you know, middle of February and they'll see there. I, I just would be this team is 
has always been very hesitant to cash in assets, cash in assets to make like a trade because they've done it. They did a big one with Justice Winslow and it didn't work. They just believe in their ability to find players and they want, they prefer to have draft assets. Hey, uh, what you guys got on the show today? So on Jeff's show, we got Trey Wingo today talking some NFL. And then it's Tuesday or it's Thursday, sorry, on the afternoon show. We'll have Eric. We'll talk Grizzlies then. Hey, as always, appreciate you. If we don't talk to you before then, have a Merry Christmas. Tell Aaliyah we wish the same sentiment to you. Okay, talk to you soon. got to hang him up manually got it there he goes how about that if you've got your messages up you can swipe left and it'll give you a way to silence that thread oh, okay so you can now, now i've learned you can do that yeah gotcha uh center guard to the dodgers on a one-year deal saw that yeah <laughs> everybody's making moves aren't they now like guys going everywhere i mean all over the place twins got a catcher who would have made a lot of sense vasquez christian vasquez would have made sense. Cubs never even made an offer to Correa. Never made a formal offer. Really? Yeah. Just, just pour it on. Just let me have no, it. I, no, no, no. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm almost like in the mood for it today. Let's talk about all the people that would have made sense. My question is: Last time I checked, that's the third largest market in the country. Is that correct? That's the rumor. Okay. Um. Most expensive ticket in baseball. Is it really? What is, I mean, what's even the Pollyanna justification? I mean, like, what is even the argument from ownership or people who are in on the? Okay, here's, here's, here's the argument. <clears throat> the argument is this. They're not close. Still a couple years away if everything goes well. Why spend a lot of money now when you could save it? Hayward's horrible contract comes off the books next year. <clears throat> Kyle Hendricks is a free agent after next year. You probably let him go. Marcus Stroman can opt out. God knows he probably will. That'll be a ton of money off the books. Jan Gomes comes off the books. Not that he's that big of a deal. Um, basically, uh, Ian Happ's a free agent after next year. So on one hand, you'll have tons of money. On the other hand, it'll be like, hey, there's Nico Horner and Seiya Suzuki, and that's it. That's all that's there. And whatever prospects are so ready you can't to go. Even, you don't even have enough to build at that point well, they, and try they, to make they, the run. They, they, they have a good – they their lower part of their organization appears to be pretty stocked. They've done a good job with guys that are right now in high A that next year probably are in double A and, and could make a move. They've got some good young pitchers that have pitched well. And they'll have a ton of money, but here's the problem that they have. And if you talk to people who are close to that organization, and believe it or not, I know a couple, and they have told me the same exact thing. They've got this computer program that they're you mentioned this yesterday that they're hostage to. They believe in it, and it tells them what guys are valued. And by God, they don't budge. Well, the problem with that. Is Dansby Swanson worth a $240 million contract? I don't know. Probably not. Does Dansby Swanson make your team better? Yes. Clearly. Dansby Swanson is what, 28 years old? 
Yeah, I mean, the point being, I, I get this for the A's. I don't get it for the Cubs. I don't either. That's my point. And so next season, when Manny Machado opts out of his deal, what's he going to cost? Is it going to be is it is it going to be quote worth it end quote? Well, well of course not. When Shohei Otani opts out of his deal and the Dodgers are like, we'll give you half a billion. Or the if cu- that's the rule, then they're never signing anybody ever. Right. And so they they they're sitting over there with their own TV uh, network. They're they're. They did this great big splashy emotional farewell to Wilson Contreras at the end of the trading deadline and then didn't trade him and then didn't offer him, didn't try to keep him. It's disingenuous and the fans frankly see through it. You know, it wasn't that long ago, a few years ago, if you wanted to go to the Cubs convention, you can laugh at this. I laugh at it now. I mean, I took a little boy. He wanted to go. If you wanted to get those tickets, man, you had to be online at 9 a.m. on the day they went on sale. Today, I could call right now and probably broker a deal for the Cubs convention. You had to be in line at the actual convention. If you wanted to get a decent seat for the opening ceremony thing, you had to be in standing in line four or five hours early. Ask me how I know. Now, I think you could just walk in the door. Well, that's a problem if you have an organization. So along the lines of what we talked about, right? I mean, if you walk into an arena and the arena's buzzing, and you're the AD, you're like, hey, we're, we're in good shape here. Need to win, but we're in good shape. You walk into the arena, and the arena's dead, and someone can go get a beer in 30 seconds? Not so much. You got issues. And so what has to happen at Wrigley, and this is the problem for the fans, is that Wrigley's a fun place to go to a game. I don't think you've ever been. No. It's a really fun place to go see a baseball game, whether you like the Cubs, hate the Cubs, or feel nothing about the Cubs. It's a fun place to go to a game. There's lots of bars and restaurants right around. Uh, you take the L, get off at, uh, take the red line, get off at Addison. You walk right there. It's pretty easy. You walk down Clark Street. There's all sorts of brew pubs and stuff. It's a fun place to go to a, a baseball game. It's a it's a historic park. They've done a decent job of restoring it. The, seat, the sight lines are great. It's a fun place to go sit and watch a baseball game, 120 in the afternoon on a 88-degree day in Chicago. It's over at 420, hop on the L, you're back downtown by 5, and you're in the bars. So Cub fans have to go, you know what, I'm not going to support this product until you do something. And will they do that? I don't know. They find, At the end of last season, there weren't many people in the games. And if that happens, they have no choice. And so when Shohei Otani becomes a free agent next year, and he will, I think you got to go do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. When someone goes, well, it's going to take 600000 Okay, well, then here's six hundred and ten. You've got it. You'll make that money back. Is it a ridiculous contract? Of course. Is it ridiculous to pay Lane Kiffin $9 million on, on paper sure. from a fiduciary standpoint? It's insane. What would it mean if you didn't pay him and you let him walk without offering him a deal and then the next guy came in and was boring as hell and put 32,000 people in the stadium and you went six and six? Well, people would look back and go, you know, it's kind of stupid. Kind of stupid not to give Kiffin nine million. Same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah. Is Carlos Correa worth three hundred and fifty million dollars? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Would people like me be more inclined to go see the Cubs next season if Carlos Correa is at shortstop? Yep. Yeah, of course. Believe it or not, I was looking at Texas Tech a little last night, and um, did you know they're ninetieth in the country against the run. They can't stop. I knew they were bad against it. 
yeah, the, it's 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 bad, really bad um, against the run. That's the one Ole Miss stat where I went, hmm. From a matchup standpoint, it's a game Ole Miss should win. It's all about motivation for Ole Miss. It's going to be a road game. I don't even mean that in a no, sarcastic way. No, it's going to be a road It's going to be Texas Tech's home game. Yeah. Um, They've sold a bunch of tickets. Ole Miss has not. Right. Um, OleMissTicks.com. Uh, By the way, they they – they are supposedly putting out a media schedule today. Today. You'll love this. You'll, it's the 15th. You'll love this. You'll love this. The game is in 13 days. No, no, you're going to love this. Okay. On the 26th, somewhere around noon after practice, there's going to be some media availability with Kiffin and maybe some players. Maybe. On the 27th, there's a luncheon where there will be a Q&A. At the luncheon, though. Yeah. And media are invited. Not to ask questions or to participate, but just you can attend. I guess you can have That's it. it? Maybe that's it. Are you serious? I couldn't be more serious. Okay. <laughs> You've covered multiple teams. You've been doing this much longer than I have. Yep. And in full good disclosure, I've covered only like five different bowl games, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And maybe I've covered just five really good ones. This is beyond any scope of anything I've ever seen from not just media, like forget us, p- players knowing what they're supposed to do, yeah, what their schedules are, yeah. the media. I mean, the Cotton Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Peach Bowl run with such meticulous clockwork yes. that it's hard to explain. Fiesta as well. The Music City Bowl runs in a way that is beyond peril to this. Uh, the, the Birmingham Bowl. <laughs> Was significantly more accessible than this. So why? Because it's it, got a big payout. There's a lot of sponsor money behind it. I it, mean, it's a game in the Texan Stadium. It's because this, this is not a small bowl game. This is because this is a made-for-TV event. That's it. This is ESP. It's run by ESPN Events, and the Houston Texans staff are the ones that are supposed to do all the stuff. Well, where do you think their priority is? The bowl game or the Texans? I'll fill you in. It's the Texans. Well, sure. Yeah. And so there's just nothing. Like, do you know how hard it is to get to Houston on the 26th that morning right now, 11 days out? It's next to impossible. Gas up the Clark Ford and put her in drive. And I mean, you'd have to leave it. Head on over to the. You'd have to leave it two in the morning. You would. Literally, you have to leave at 2 in the morning to get there. Just move Christmas lunch up to 12. Not 4 o'clock, no. leave, stop in Baton Rouge, spend the night. Yeah, I think from a from a coverage <laughs> standpoint, this is looking more and more like, so you all going to put that post-game thing on the Zoom? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got that Zoom, right? Someone's going to put that on video? Because it's not like there's a lot of. <clears throat> if somebody says it makes it shows the bowls are less important, well, I don't know. Is the is the are the good bowls doing it any worse? I bet they're doing the exact same thing they always do. Oh, I feel confident that the Sugar Bowl is still rocking. The right day along. last year that Ole Miss got into the Sugar Bowl, we had a complete schedule for the entire week. Now it might say, "Hey, there's a media party, and we'll let you know where it's at or something." Right. But you knew time wise exactly where you needed to be and when. Yeah. I mean, because you only had like 24 hours to get your credential in with the face thing and all that stuff. I requested a credential. I've yet to hear back from them. I assumed that I was approved, but I might not have been. 
And at this late stage, you're probably approved, I think. It's, but at this late stage, it's, it's just, I don't want to fly. I'm, I'm not going to fly there on Christmas Day, so I'm not doing it. So, nope, done that once before in my life. I'm not doing it again. What ball was that? Citrus, oh, Capital really? One, whatever the hell they called it, Orlando. Did you go to Disney World? Um, I'm trying to remember. Did I go to Disney? Seems like I did. There was a media thing at Disney. Well, that, that bowl does some cool stuff. Yeah. There was a media thing at Disney that I went to. <laughs> there was a media thing at Universal Studios that was cool. They're also the ones that gives all the players the big Best Buy gift certificate is like their player gift. They is get that like right? they get like five hundred bucks at Best Buy or something is like the way they do their Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, I think that's right. It was Bowl gifts used to be a big deal, not so much. It was pretty organized. The only the only negative to the Orlando game, this was no big deal, was where you stayed was on International Boulevard in Orlando, Mm -hmm. and the teams practiced out at what I guess is Camping World Stadium. Yeah, so you had to go drive all the way out there each time. Shuttles, whatever. They they didn't shuttle. Really? No, you just went. Sugar shuttled. Sugar shuttle, sugar cotton shuttle, sugar and cotton. Cotton is really good. Sugar, cotton, and Fiesta from a from a media standpoint are just fantastic. Peaches too. The peach. What was and we've talked about. I told the story before. The, what was so interesting about the peach was that TCU did not bring any media, and they had got all this food and alcohol, so they needed it gone. And they would literally walk in with bottles of liquor and go, "Can you guys please drink this?" Like, can you can you please? Like, we have to. And one night you said, sure. It, it was a night. It was a late night for a lot of media members. It was a, it was a, I've got stories where I'll keep the, the, the guilty innocent. But yeah, it was, uh, it was, but that shows you thing. I mean, there is an unnamed person who had gotten back from wherever we had gone. I know, I know we did a big dinner and I guess we maybe even came back to the hospitality room because there was all that stuff there. Yeah. And the person was hungry at, I don't know, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning and they went and found catering trays of like sweet potatoes and green beans and chicken. It was like a full meal laid out in the media room at two thirty in the morning, just because somebody asked. And yeah. It was like there is just nothing but either buzz to drunk people asking for things at two fifteen in the morning, and um, because on the bus to the go kart thing was it was nothing but Ole Miss media and that poor TCU oh bless her heart student assistant or what whatever that. And that was Jeffrey was single those days. Yeah, and so the conversation was a bit more blue. And uh, Jeffrey was talking about Tinder. Or he was something. literally swiping as yeah. we were <laughs> sitting there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, literally. Uh, oh no, I was not even in the realm of some of the people there. That that, that no. no no no. I I'm, I was I was essentially completely sober compared to. Yeah, that was a. The Cotton Bowl has a full bar for media with a bartender pretty much any time that's open. Stop. Ironically, the Sugar Bowl is the worst one of those about that kind of stuff. Yeah. They're a little more per time. Now, you're going to I meet mean, New Orleans. You'll like walk out the door and do whatever, but yeah. Yeah, the Cotton Bowl made it where you didn't have – there was really no reason to leave the hotel except to go to the practices or not. I mean, yeah. they pretty much handled it. Oh, I forgot about the student who Ubered from Atlanta to Oxford. That's right. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. It was not Kellenberger. Um, yeah. Mm, so, no. no, it wasn't Kellenberger. No. He was there, but it was not uh, It was it was not him. And, and look, back to the second ago, just the basketball thing. Yeah, look, I get there nine and three. It's not. It's more of what we're seeing and what potentially happens. It's not today is some death sentence. That's not the point. The point is that 
they had games they really needed to win to make it interesting coming in, and last night was one you really needed to win to keep that level of interest in. Because yeah, the the, the storyline is not even necessarily about attendance last night in, in in a singular event. It was it's not even about the loss. It's that there's just no enthusiasm much outside of people who are really interested in basketball, and there's there and, and that exists and that matters, but there's not enough and. How do you change it? How do you get better? What do you do? You can't just give up on the sport. Um, you can't. You got to get better at men's basketball. Period. And yeah, it, 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 that, that, that's the, that's the, that's the bottom line. Yeah, we talk about and hand it's raised. got to where it's you know again, it, segment of people, anecdotal. Sure, I don't know. I don't know everybody in the world who's an Ole Miss fan, but it's almost like a running joke to find it popular with a certain segment, and that's a bad place to be. And that feels like kind of where it's at right now. And people are giving some chances to kind of get in, and then they lose that game. You lose to Oklahoma. You know, there was some. In, the board was pretty into it that day. They had yep. beaten Sienna the day before. Was it Sienna? Yep. They beat Stanford the day before that, the, and then the Memphis game. There were people. That's that, a good point. There yeah, were people yeah, yeah. that night that were like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to see what." And then they they get buried in the first six minutes. Yeah. I mean, last night, Chase, I taped with Pete. We taped at five thirty. We got done at about 6.20. I was ready to roll. I had to let the – we taped via Zoom so that it had to yeah. process. And then I sent it on so that it could get edited and stuff. And I left the house at 6.32, turned on the game. Kellum and them were doing the broadcast. And by the time I got to the arena, parked, down the elevator, and to my seat, they were at the second media timeout, and it was 21 to nothing. 12 minutes to go in the half for anybody. So. Yeah. I mean, that's from a hoops standpoint, that's twice now in the last three games that that's happened, and you can't, you've got to figure out. I think you have to make lineup changes. Like, if, if I'm, if I'm Kermit, um, it's just too much of a fan storyline that he's calling early timeouts. It's all these little things yeah. that just build up over time. Where Mal- you Mal- just Malik Ewan and and Josh Mbala are starting because I got to at least try that. And look, he's trying everything. Yeah. Um, and if I suspect if he could be honest, he would say, you know, it's easy to say, hey, recruit better players. We live in a transfer portal era, and I don't have the NIL that other people have. And the response to that might be, well, then you got to go drum it up. And his response to that might be, "Well, I'm trying. I don't know. Yeah, sure. Right. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm yeah. It's not that Kermit's not trying. This he's is, not. I mean, he's a very competitive human being. He's not yes. rolling out there and going, hey, 'Hey, I'm going to lose a basketball game.' No, 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 no. I know. No, he's ooh hyper competitive. He's working 27 hours a day. Yeah, he probably cannot get this team off his mind. It's not. A, it's not about effort. And so it's that deal. But you're right. If you're sitting in the room and you're having the conversations and someone says, and I'm not saying anyone at Ole Miss Athletics would say this, okay? But if someone said, well, look, we're, we're really financially invested in football. And we kick ass in baseball. Not just winning. Not just winning. Yeah, we won. That's not what we're talking about. But we're one of five programs. Yeah. Us, LSU, Mississippi State. Arkansas, Arkansas, A&M. Texas A and M, Texas. We're fully invested in baseball. We're good. We're good. Fans come. It's awesome. They love it. But here's: I would raise my hand and go, "Okay, just bear with me a minute." Yeah, football. We have no choice. Good enough. 
But can we be honest about baseball? It's really cold in February. The only people that really go to the baseball games in February is the diehards. It's really cold in March. The conference season doesn't start until, what, March March 10th-ish? Yeah, mid-March, almost. So, you know, that's kind of when your casual fan, and, that's, and, and, and the bulk of your fandom in any sport is the casual fan. Otherwise, we would be filthy rich. The casual fan kind of checks in when conference play starts, when the weather gets warm. When suddenly going out to Swayze, it's 77 degrees, and it kind of feels nice, and, oh, it's, we're tired of winter, right? Yeah, when it's baseball. So. Am I right? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I would say, so football ends on Thanksgiving night, really. Baseball doesn't really start till call it the Ides of March. I got a window there that I got to fill in. That needs to be basketball. So this idea that, well, we can just punt basketball in the SEC, I, I think I, th- I think it's – I think it's flawed to the point that it's untouchable. I think you're just criminally wrong at that point. Nope, you've got to be relevant in basketball. You don't have to be excellent, but you have to be relevant. And when you look around at the teams that we just talked about, Mississippi State, they're good in basketball right now. Arkansas, they're nationally competitive in basketball. LSU's been good in basketball before the scandal, and they're going to be good again. Texas A&M's not punting basketball. They're trying. I'm not saying Ole Miss is punting it, but at some point Ole Miss has to sit down and go, okay, I get it. This is going to be really, really hard, but we got to figure this out. This has to become a priority. And maybe I'm wrong, and you might tell me that I'm completely wrong. But I think someone has to go, we have to make this a priority, whether that's Kermit or anybody else. Whoever the coach is, this has to be more of a priority, and we've got to figure out how we get this done, however that is. And that takes movement from everybody. Um, that's is there, there's not one answer. There's multiple things involved yeah. here. And I think what's, at bare minimum, be competitive into February and early March to be able to go. Hey, maybe here's here's yeah yes. Let's show up. There's that big game on Saturday against Tennessee. What if we win? And then hey, play LSU in Baton Rouge. Hey, get that one. And right. hey, we're on the bubble. And then you know, you, it's like Kentucky football. Kentucky football just being abysmally bad, going, well, we're a basketball school. No, no, someone finally went, no, no, that doesn't work. Look, basketball doesn't start until November the 10th, and it's not really relevant until around Christmas. No, we have to be be competitive in football. We've got to invest in football. You see that with them giving Stoops the money that they gave him. Yeah, sure. You know, that's that. And I do think subconsciously i don't think keith or anybody over there sits there and goes hey you know basketball whatever come on keith played basketball he loves basketball i mean it's a that program he he's he's got sweat blood tear equity in that program but i do think sometimes it's easy subconsciously to go well it's just kind of not our thing right now and i get it i just think you got it i think you i think you have to go nope we in today's world we've got to be competitive in that we've got to be in the tournament conversation, conversation pretty much every year. Yeah. I mean, Sammy saying Georgia punted baseball. Georgia is the strangest athletic department in the world because we'll see what Mike does there, but they should be a top five program in baseball, and they're absolutely not. But if you're going and in to basketball, punt, they do have some ability for some advantages yeah. that will that need to get ironed out. It, they, that's a weird athletics program. They also have so much money going to football right yeah. now that what's left. Right. Because – but if you're going to punt one of the big three sports, and I don't think you can for the record. I just don't think you can. But if you're going to, 
you punt baseball before you punt basketball. You just do. Well, it doesn't even it doesn't need anywhere near the same resources. I mean, it's not right. even about punting. It's right. just hey, put it where you. Right. I mean, there is. I could be wrong. To my knowledge, there's more organization to get baseball nil versus basketball nil. It's my understanding as well. Just from a straight mm-hmm. fans invested, how they're pushing money yeah. into those directions. Yeah. There appears to be much more emphasis on baseball than basketball in that way. And I don't know how you figure that out, but you have to figure well, that out. Fans spend their money wherever they want. I mean, if a group of fans goes, nope, by God, I'm funding baseball, then okay. Yeah. I mean, you know. Then you got to somehow, somehow incentivize some of those same fans to do something for basketball. Yeah. I don't know how you do that, but someone's got to go, we got to figure it out. Yeah. So. Appreciate Jeffrey with uh, his time today as he does every single Thursday. Looks like we made it through the stream without some issues or anything. Even if it dies now, we're fine. So um, got that going on. The phone call's working. Um, Still getting everything kind of set up with angles and behind us and whatnot. So for those in the stream, eventually that'll get there. One of the tables came in. The other one got delayed. It said 16th or 17th. So this weekend. It'll be all right. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be fine. It's all good. So we will uh, wrap there for the day. Appreciate all you guys. Good. What's uh, our plan for tonight? Uh, I mean, I hate talking on air, but I okay. think we're yeah. We'll, we'll we'll update you, but probably see you um here soon. There'll be definitely content. You'll be able to log into YouTube, see stuff either way. But yeah, I think we're good there. Um, uh, okay, dribblegrub.com. In the meantime, we'll get Neil's picks up this weekend as well. So you have that as a uh, bowl season underway. Woohoo! Um, Neil headed to Vegas and Idaho and all over the place. So tomorrow, uh, yeah, tomorrow. So we'll have that and more coming up. Check the stream. Uh, different podcasts coming there. And then um, Brian Rippey, by the way, uh, recorded with former Ole Miss baseball player Sean Johnson. He is now one of the top world-long drive golfers in the world. So a little bit of an interesting uh, thing there is they uh, they chatted last night. I assume that's probably up sometime today. So uh, nonetheless, that's on the network, rebelgrub.com, and we will talk to you again very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.